0: Welcome to Law X.0, a Bloomberg Law podcast dedicated to seeing around corners and preparing you for the next version of the legal industry. In the past few years, attitudes around cannabis have been changing. Reefer Madness and Just Say No have given way to state legalization and promising research into the potential health benefits.
1: Cannabis remains illegal at the federal level, but it seems like people have stopped asking if federal legalization is coming and have started asking when it's coming. And when it does come, what will it look like? I'm Dori Goldstein. And I'm Eleanor Tyler.
0: And that's what we're talking about today. When is federal legalization coming? And when it gets here, what will it look like?
1: And if it's legal, it's going to have regulations, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and if that's anything like what we do to drugs and crops, then it's going to be complicated.
0: Right. Right. So while no one knows exactly what federal legal cannabis will look like, we do have one pretty good model to learn from,
1: the hemp industry. Hemp, unlike the cannabis you're probably used to hearing about, is legal at the federal level, and it is heavily regulated. Here to tell us more is Joanne Caceres. Joanne is a senior managing associate at Denton's. She helps clients navigate the complex regulation of the cannabis industry and the evolving tension between state and federal cannabis laws. Current clients include large publicly traded companies selling products and services into the cannabis industry, companies involved in financing the industry, vaporizer manufacturers, and a company operating dispensaries in several states. Welcome Joanne. Hi.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Are we headed for full legalization of cannabis? Do you agree with what we just said in that intro? And how soon do you think it's coming?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I like to call myself an optimist when it comes to this. I fairly recently told a group of people that we would have legalization in 2020. Oh, wow. I'm now starting to think that that's a... (laughs) overly optimistic i've revised that to 2021 okay so i'm still very bullish on when it's going to be legalized and it definitely is a when not an if um around my colleagues around here are more on the five-year mark just because it's it is so complicated like you mentioned
1: so i know we're talking about hemp regulation why is that a good relevant discussion if we're talking about cannabis legalization more broadly
2: Um, The biggest thing to understand is that the difference between hemp and what we usually call marijuana or cannabis is fully a legal fiction. It's just a legal definition. It's the amount of THC. Specifically, hemp has much, much less, a much lower amount, almost nothing. Um, But it's really literally the same plant. And so when you think about how this is going to really play out, we have all these hemp regulations that are being developed now. And what's going to happen when cannabis legalization happens? Well, those same agencies are going to be regulating, they're going to have the same issues and concerns, and they're also going to have these hemp rules as their template. Um, So I think it's very likely that um, they're really more tied together than people seem to think at this moment.
1: So what is the technical difference between hemp and marijuana? I mean, if one is legal to grow and one isn't, why?
2: The big issue is the amount of THC in it. So THC is the compound in cannabis that makes you feel high. So if you have that feeling of, you know, that feeling that we always talk about, that's the THC in the plant. So if you have a version of it that's really low in THC, like hemp is, um, it has no potential, or we like to say it has no potential to get um, people high. And that's really where the marker is in federal law and the concern is whether or not Uh, people can get that result from it.
0: So even though hemp isn't going to get anyone high, it only became legal at the federal level
2: recently, right?
0: How did that happen?
2: Hemp has a really complicated history. So it recently in 2018, December of 2018, became federally legal. Um, But that's not really the full story. It was also partially legal only for research since 2014. And even further back in 2004, there was a famous Ninth Circuit case, Um, that basically found that the DEA couldn't regulate um, certain plants, certain hemp plants, the same way as it regulated marijuana. Um, Back then, it was more about what parts of the plant, and it allowed for the import of hemp, and technically allowed for the growth of hemp too, but you still had to get a DEA registration to grow it, and effectively the DEA would just never grant that because of, you know, reefer madness and the stigma around marijuana. They really didn't want to allow it to be grown here. So What the recent law really does is help move us forward and allowing it to actually be grown and produced in the U.S. versus being imported as it was um, being in 2004 forward.
1: So what agencies have authority over hemp? How is this working now as far as regulation?
2: There are two agencies right now that have authority. It's the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, and the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. One is maybe more obvious than the other. The USDA is regulating growing the crop and everything related to crop, which is what they do for you know all other crops that are grown in the U.S. The FDA was a little bit more of a turf battle, um, but it also still makes sense. And what they, the part they are regulating is the products, the food products, cosmetics, drugs, that are being made with the compounds of the plant. Have either the USDA or the
0: FDA promulgated any rules on hemp?
2: Yes, recently, October 2019, uh, the USDA promulgated its rules. The FDA has not actually promulgated any official rules, but there are guidances that they've issued and they've also sent several warning letters to industry uh, when they're doing something that the FDA doesn't think is appropriate. Um, So that's become the main way so far that the FDA has regulated the space, and it's part of why there's a lot of confusion in this space. And the FDA keeps promising that they will, you know, give further guidance, give something more clear to the industry, but they haven't been in any rush to do so. In fact, they have stated, the head of the FDA has stated several times that perhaps this is a legislative issue, that, you know, something needs to be done in the law as opposed to the FDA doing something.
1: So rubber meets the road. How have farmers been responding to this? Do these regulations work for them on the ground?
2: So farmers and states with hemp programs have reacted negatively to the rules. They are really restrictive, and they're restrictive in surprising ways that don't really match what's been happening in the states since 2014 when the pilot programs I mentioned earlier came online. So they're strict in several ways. The main thing has to do with sampling and testing. So As I mentioned earlier, since the only difference between marijuana and hemp is how much THC is in it, obviously one thing that the federal government really cares about is making sure that that THC amount remains below the legal level. Um, But in order to do that, they have these testing restrictions and sampling restrictions and what part of the plant you can sample that all will maximize the amount of THC that you'll find in those plants. And that's something that the industry has said is really going to stymie them. And also that doesn't really make sense based on the practices that have been um, followed in the last five years or so.
1: So we understand the stakes. What happens to a farmer if they sample for THC and it comes out above the limit?
2: Yes. So if that happens, and this is one of the worst parts of the lot, that product, that whole crop is considered marijuana now and it's illegal. And the only thing you can do is have a DA registered entity come and take it away and destroy it. So there's no insurance and you can even get in legal trouble for quote-unquote growing mar- marijuana when really you're just a farmer whose plant that started with genetics that you thought were right and that w- you were going to grow hemp all of a sudden you in the eyes of the federal government you're growing marijuana.
0: That has to be devastating to the farmer's business.
2: Yes, it it would, imagine. I mean who knows how big of the acreage you have and you have no insurance. Um, it's really atypical and it's not typical for what we consider to be a crop or an agricultural product. And it really keeps going back to, you know, I keep mentioning it, but it's this legal fiction. It's that this, the second it goes below this limit, it's hemp and it's completely fine. But the second it goes above the limit, it's an illegal, dangerous, controlled one substance. It just doesn't really reflect reality. It doesn't reflect the plant and it doesn't reflect what most people in the U.S. now think and feel about cannabis and its dangers or or lack of danger.
1: But unfortunately, it also just doesn't respect how agriculture works. Um, You never really know, because of different growing conditions, what's going to happen with a specific crop.
2: That is correct, and that is a big issue. You know, we hear a lot from the farmers about how even just spikes in temperature, it's believed that stress can affect how much THC the plant is going to produce. Um, So there are several things outside of the farmer's control. The farmer can do everything right and still have a plant that at the end of the day is going to test above the legal limit. And as you mentioned, you know, these are farmers, they're growing crops, they're not lawyers, and they're also not drug dealers. So it's just crazy to treat them like they are or should be.
0: So I want to go back to the FDA. Can you talk a little bit more about what their role is?
2: Yes. So when the Farm Bill passed, which is the 2018 law that legalized hemp federally, it had this very important clause that said, this law in no way amends the FDCA, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, which is the act that the, you know, under which the FDA gets its authority. So literally, basically that same day, there was a press release from the FDA where they stated, you know, even though hemp has become legalized, uh, we still believe that it's illegal to put CBD, specifically CBD, into foods. Um, So of course this caused you know, masses upset and surprise in the industry because everyone kind of had seen this rule as formally legalizing it and giving basically, you know, full steam ahead for the industry. But the FDA's position, basically, they have they have a few different positions based on the type of product, but essentially their position is that CBD is a drug because it's been um, it's been patented as a drug, and therefore you cannot add it into foods, you cannot, you know, sell it as a drug in the market and you can't put it into, uh, well, with cosmetics, they've been more vague, they've been a little cuter about it, which is why you see this difference in the industry where foods are kind of considered much more dangerous to produce, uh, whereas things that we like to call topicals or cosmetics seem to be a little safer. So you'll see, for example, companies like Walgreens or um, CVS even all selling CBD topical products, but not food products. I feel like
0: I see CBD products just about everywhere, um, supplements to reduce anxiety, a sleep aid, um, dog treats. Is, is business booming?
2: Are the people producing this really you know, raking in the cash? Business is booming, and it is sort of like a gold rush, right? There are definitely winners and losers. There's a lot of people entering the market. There's a lot of people who care about the law and are trying to do it right and are testing. And there's a lot of people who don't care at all. And there's even been reports of, you know, the product actually has synthetic marijuana in it or has spice in it and isn't a CBD product at all. So there's a lot of variation. And there are some winners. And there's definitely a lot, there'll definitely be a lot more losers overall. And there's a lot of confusion in the industry as well.
1: So the FDA is not totally on board with all these uses?
2: Correct. So the FDA's Biggest position that really affects the industry is that they say you cannot add CBD as a food at, as into foods. So that includes beverages and foods and even possibly some things that we might consider supplements like tinctures and gel caps and stuff like that. And now this is completely contrary to certain state laws where they have allowed those types of f- forms for CBD to be sold in. Uh, and this is part of why there's so much confusion. Also part of why there is, you know, so much fraud. And even with everyone trying to do everything right, there's still this legal risk if you make these products um, that the FDA might step up its enforcement. So far, its enforcement has really been limited to letters, and it's really been limited to food products that are making uh, what they call egregious health claims, right? Because if you're making a health claim, you're starting to enter into drug territory, and you're uh, possibly misleading people, and you're also possibly having situations where people are foregoing actual medications that could work to use CBD, which while is promising, according to the FDA, hasn't been properly tested and verified for those effects.
1: Well, then, of course, you're into a whole other legal um, regulatory landscape, the uh, unfair practices one that the FTC and the state AGs all uh, regulate as well.
2: Right. Yeah. There's so much just going on when we talk to clients about oh, it's legal now. We can we can sell it, right? And we have to be like, well, hold on. The answer is actually much more complex because we do have to kind of explain the federal landscape, the different state laws, so it'll depend on what state um, you're interested in selling into. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've
0: talked a lot about the USDA and the FDA when it comes to hemp. Right now, do they
2: have any authority over cannabis? The FDA does already play a small role in regulating certain parts of cannabis. There is a drug on the U.S. market called Marinol, which is a man-made form of the substances in cannabis, and there's also Epidiolex, which is the CBD drug that has recently been approved in the U.S. There is also in track, I believe, a drug called Sativex. It's available in non-U.S. markets with THC as an ingredient. In the U.S., it has different ingredients.
1: So let's assume that cannabis is legalized at the federal level. What role do you see the USDA playing?
2: So most likely, my guess would be that they would play a role really similar to what they do for hemp. They'll be regulating growth. Um, One difference that could possibly happen is there's been much more state regulation on the cannabis side than there's been on the hemp side. So for hemp, it's really only been in the last five years. For many states, it would be around that same time too, but we do have some states that are a little older. And those programs are just a lot more robust and a lot more strict. So you could see the USDA potentially taking more of a backseat once cannabis becomes legal. You could also argue that, you know, everything they're doing right now is because of this line where there is hemp that's legal and there's cannabis that is illegal and therefore they have to be careful because they don't want to move into this illegal side. Once cannabis becomes legal, that concern goes away,
0: yeah um, right.
2: so you yeah, it could make things easier, it's a lot better for hemp farmers at least it could, and I, yeah, I think that would be one of the great benefits, and that's an interesting thing that I think um, you don't see people in the industry necessarily thinking about like if you're a hemp farmer, it's probably a good thing and and important for you to kind of understand where cannabis legalization is going and when and and vice versa if you're in the state legal cannabis markets right now, seeing what's happening on the federal level with hemp, that's something you should be paying attention to and, you know, commenting on when there's a, a chance and changing if you don't like it.
0: So you, you mentioned something that, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, when I've pictured legalized cannabis at the federal level, I've always sort of assumed there would be state preemption and, you uh, The way that you just talked about it makes me think there's this possibility of competing state and federal regulation or just leaving it up to the states. Do
2: you think that that preemption is on the table? Um, Yes. So for a long time, the the biggest bill that had the best chance of passing, people thought, was this bill called the States Act. And what was appealing about that was that it essentially just um, made cannabis legal in states where it is legal and regulated, So that seemed to be the very popular um, position that the federal government was taking. We'll just step back. So if the state legalizes it and regulates it, fine. It's not federally illegal in that state. If they don't, it is. Um, And that seemed to be the model people expected for a long time. Now we're seeing a lot more active bills that are about the federal government taking it, making it their own, and regulating it. And as you mentioned, if they do do that, they're going to definitely come into conflict with state laws because every state does it differently. We've talked about the role of the USDA if cannabis is legalized. What about the FDA? The FDA, I think, is the bigger worry. You know, we just talked about how the USDA might actually be better depending on the legalization. But the FDA, you have to imagine they're going to take the same positions, right? I just mentioned there are some drugs, at least in the pipeline, that have THC in them so you could see them making that same argument that no it can't be added into food and they're also going to be really concerned about the research and that's been a huge issue in the cannabis industry even now is just there's promising research but there's still not a ton of research and some of that's not by accident obviously it's because it hasn't really been allowed to be researched in the united states
1: so what advice do you have for cannabis and hemp businesses and the lawyers who advise them when it comes to hemp and
2: CBD. Well, of course, one of them is always talk to your lawyer. I think that's something a lawyer <laughs> will always say <laughs> It's true. But as I mentioned earlier, like um, every state is different. The federal law conflicts with those state laws sometimes. Um, even, you know, two states that are right next to each other can be completely different. So you can't, even if you think you've got it all figured out and you're in Colorado, you can't just... Step over to California and think that you're doing it the right way. Most likely you're not because it's different. Um, So, two pieces of advice one for everybody, and one especially for lawyers is um, maybe even more so than usual. This is something that you really should double check anything you're doing that's new with an attorney to make sure it's right, especially if you're going to cross any border. And to lawyers specifically, Um, I think the biggest advice I would give is this industry is new and it's complicated and it's easy to have the knee-jerk, no, you can't do that response to a question that a client asks. And what I find is if I give the issue kind of more time to breathe and I look at the rule again and I think about, "Is is there a way to be creative here? The answer turns out not to be exactly no. It's more of a, well, here's the risk if you do this and here's the risk if you do that. And Our role as lawyers is to really explain the different risks and the different consequences of engaging in specific actions. It's not to tell the client just a flat no. Um, Does that advice change at all when we're dealing with
0: cannabis that's state legal, but still not at the federal level?
2: It basically is exactly the same, right? These clients, especially when I'm dealing with cannabis clients, they understand that it's federally illegal. Um, And so, you know, partially they're comfortable with that risk, at least right now. But our job as attorneys is to help them quantify that risk and also kind of remind them, even though you're comfortable with the fact that you're breaking the law in this one way, doesn't mean that you want to break the law in other ways. For example, like the ADA, you know, or employment laws, like we want them to make sure they're following all the federal laws they can follow in order to limit their risk. That sounds like good advice. Yeah, especially from an attorney. I think it's advice you'd expect.
1: Thank you so much, Joanne, for joining us. If listeners want to follow more of your work, where can they find you?
2: Um, The easiest way would be through the Denton's website. They can look up my name and my email addresses there.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Joanne Gossetis, talking about hemp regulation and what it tells us about the future of federal cannabis legalization. I think there's so much potential in this industry. Right, but there are still so many hurdles. I really feel sorry for hemp farmers.
0: Join us next week when we talk to former EEOC Commissioner Heifeld Bloom about corporate culture in the wake of MeToo.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at
0: Dori underscore Goldstein. That's D-O-R-I underscore G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N.
1: And I am at Eleanor S. Tyler. That's at E-L-E-A-N-O-R underscore S underscore T-Y-L-E-R. And you've been listening to Law X.0 from Bloomberg Law. For more Bloomberg Law analysis, visit news.bloomberglaw.com
0: Bloomberg-law-analysis.
1: Find us wherever you download your podcasts.
2: From Washington, this is Bloomberg
1: Governments. Down Ballot Counts.
0: Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government.
1: And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government.
0: Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Those aren't the only down ballot races we're watching, are they? In states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania,
2: Will Democrats be able to defend their majority in the House this year? Will Republicans keep their majority in the Senate?
0: Are there other members who wish to record their presence? Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down-ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. 26, and that is the number of women
2: who will be serving the United States Senate when it swears in Georgia Republican Kelly Leffler. Along the way, we'll cover all of the numbers that matter. So a
0: really interesting thing is how much national security background and experience. So many of them are bringing to this job. And interview key players in the congressional elections.
2: Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot accounts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts.